God this evening. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5 this evening. I believe if I were to take a poll, and if I were to ask this evening, who wants to have a fruitful Christian life? Who wants to live a faithful Christian life? Who wants to have a, a Christian life that either bears fruit, or that people just know that, hey, that is a Christian that loves the Lord, that's living the Christian life. I believe that we would have every hand go up. I believe there's not a Christian in here this evening. I don't believe that I've ever met a Christian that just says, you know what, I, I want my goal is to be the worst, to, to the, be the most unfaithful, to be the lousiest Christian there ever was. I've never met someone who has said that. I don't believe that's a, a goal of a, a child of God. But this evening, I want to encourage you, and as we come to Galatians chapter number 5, we're going to look this evening at a couple of verses, and then we're also going to uh, glean from a couple of other portions of Scripture as we try to understand how you can truly live a fruitful Christian life. You see, to live a, a fruitful, fruitful Christian life, it's one thing to say that you want to, it's another thing to do it. Uh, there are a lot of people who will say, you know what, I have set some goals in my life to accomplish, but it's another thing to set forth action to accomplish those goals. There are a lot of people who, who desire to be a faithful Christian, but very simply just don't put forth the effort. You see, a faithful Christian doesn't just wake up one day and, and, and say, you know what, I, I, I've been faithful. No, it, it takes work, it takes effort. There are days in between some of the people that you may admire, some of the, the faithful Christians, the Christian heritage, the the, the, uh, the faithful preachers that have stood behind the pulpit, the faithful missionaries, the faithful men and ladies that have been uh, before us. You've looked at them and you've said, hey, that is someone who is faithful. Well, can I guarantee, as I believe I could, that they probably had some days where they had to decide, you know what, is it worth it or not? There were probably some days where they woke up and they were going in the midst of a trial or they were going through a season of life that was difficult or they were facing something where they had to say, you know what, do I desire to still be faithful? Do I desire to still press on? Do I still desire to find myself being a, a faithful prayer warrior? Do I find myself desiring to still be faithful to the house of God and faithful to the word of God and faithful to the will of God? Do I want that? There were some days that they had to make that decision because it doesn't just happen. Uh, if you think about uh, people who are successful outside of even Christianity, successful people in the world's realm, even those who are some of the wealthiest and even those who have some of the greatest businesses or, or, or plans uh, and, and success stories, they had to work at it. It wasn't just something that, that they just fell into. It wasn't just something that they woke up one day and their success story was written. No, it takes work. And so notice with me, if you would, for just a few moments, this portion of Scripture Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Verse number 25, the Bible says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter number 5, verses 22, 23, and 25, as we read these verses here, I believe we would all agree that the Christian life is made up of many choices. If you were to go down a list of choices that are made, there are daily choices that you make as a child of God. There are weekly choices, monthly. Uh, there are yearly choices. There are lifetime choices that are made every single year, every single moment of the Christian life. And as you come to realize some of these things, and as you come to realize that, hey, I do have a desire to be a fruitful Christian, well, where do you start? You know, as you, as, you, as you listen to the preaching of God's Word, I remember listening to the preaching of God's Word, and as I would be listening, there would be times whenever the preacher would say, hey, do the will of God. And I'd say, well, what is the will of God? 
How do I accomplish the will of God? What are some of the things that I could do to fulfill the will of God? How, could, how do I know what the will of God is? And, and I grew up listening under, to the, the preaching of my father-in-law and, and to other preachers who would say, hey, the will of God is, and they would go down the list, the will of God for your life. And I believe the teenagers have done the same thing. To be saved, uh, to be uh, reading your Bible, to be praying, some of the, the basic things of the Christian life. And as you are faithful to those things that you know you are to do, God will then reveal in time what else he has for you to do. And as you think about the Christian life, and as you think this evening, you say, I want to be a fruitful Christian life. So where do I start? Well, let's jump right into it. Notice what the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We're going to go down this list this evening and just look at some of these things. And I want you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself this question. Am I a fruitful Christian? If you're a fruitful Christian, you will have these, these attributes about you. You will have some of these things that we're going to deal with this evening. And as we come to and as we look at some things here in just a few moments, we're going to conclude this, this message, if you would, with an illustration that I believe really hits home whenever you ask this question. And not only am I being a faithful Christian, am I a fruitful Christian, but why, you might have this, this question, why isn't the Lord using me in this or why can't I do this? We'll answer that here in just a few moments. Go with me as you're holding your place here in Galatians chapter number 6 to the book of John for just a moment. John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Let's first start at the very beginning if you're going to be found as a fruitful Christian. The Bible says in John chapter number 15, I am the true vine, verse number 1, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. As you go through and you read John chapter number 15, you find some key statements there. And as you think about the nourishment that you're seeking, as you think about the, the, the idea and the, the understanding of what's taking place, and as you think about that seed as it falls onto the soil, if you would, as we dealt with last Sunday, the soils, the four different types of soil, and what what does your heart look like, and, and what type of soil is the seed falling on? Is it falling on that thorny soil? Is it falling on that hard soil? Is it falling on the good soil? Is it falling on one of those four that we dealt with. And as you think about that seed falling on that soil, and then all of a sudden you desire that nourishment. If you're not nourishing yourself off the Word of God, you're not getting the proper nourishment. You say, oh, I listen to the preaching of God's Word on Sundays. That's not enough. Ah, well, I listen on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, and I come on Wednesdays. If that's the only time you're getting God's Word, it's still not enough. You see, God's Word was meant, and it has the intention that we open the Word of God every single day and get what God has for us. And so, look with me, if you would. Verse number 22, again, Galatians 6. We look at this very first fruit of the Spirit. And it's important for us to understand that it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It's a singular here. It's not plural. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's singular, the fruit of the Spirit. And we jump right into it, love. You think about this word love here and this divine love and you think about true love and, and you know, true love is, is obviously missing in the world in which we are living in today. There are people who are looking for true love and our world has defined love in a very, what we would say, sinful manner. Love today is not what the Word of God defines as love. Love is, is addressed in many different forms nowadays and for one who doesn't, if, number one, if you don't know Christ, you won't know what true love is. You see, and as you go through and you study the Scripture and as you come to this portion of Scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice what it starts with, love. 
My mind immediately goes back to John 3.16 and other portions, but for God so loved. I mean, this divine love, as you think about love here, and as you think about love the Lord and loving God and what He has for us, to know love and to know how to love, you must first know Jesus. That's where you experience love for the first time. Go with me for just a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, obviously known as the love chapter, if you were to say it that way. And if you were to desire to live a fruitful Christian life, I would encourage you, first and foremost, yield yourself to the Lord. You can't, if He doesn't have preeminence in your life, then I guarantee He probably doesn't have any way of producing all the fruit in your life that He desires to do because He hasn't given that preeminence. But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 1, it says, "...though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels..." And if not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, let's back up for just a moment because I want you to truly understand what's being said here. In verse number 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Okay? It says, And if not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. That statement at the very end literally gives the picture of the, the word wham. Literally just as though it sounds like this. Wham, 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 wham. It just, it just, it's not, nothing's getting through. And nothing is being heard. It's, it's as though it's just wham, wham, wham. I mean, it's just an annoying sound, if you would. And it goes on, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the, feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Verse 4, Charity suffereth long in his kind, Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never Faileth. Chapter 13, I would encourage you to go back and read this uh, again another time and, and really dive a little bit deeper. But as you think about love, could I ask this question this evening? Have you found love? And number one, not only have you found it, but do you display love? It's one thing to know the love of Jesus Christ. It's another thing to display it. It's one thing to know Christ as your personal Savior, and as you understand the importance of knowing Christ as your personal Savior, you ought to display that love, and people might not agree with your stance as a Christian. You know, it's an amazing thing. There are a lot of people that I have met throughout the ages that have talked about another Christian that have said, hey, the ages, like I've been living forever here, uh, through my time on earth that have said, hey, you know what, I'm not a Christian. I don't agree with the things that, 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 you know, all the things that they say, but hey, they live it. You ever heard someone say that before? They live it. I don't agree with the Christian life, but hey, if there was ever a Christian, that's a Christian right there. They live it. They're not always going to agree, but hey, if you display Christ's love, They'll know what a true Christian is. They'll know what a Christian looks like. Not only love, but it goes on. It says joy. I'll tell you what, this joy is speaking of the inward peace and the supply not dependent upon our circumstances. It's speaking of that which is not found in the temporal things, but is found in the eternal. It's speaking of those things that as you find joy, your circumstances aren't always going to be pleasant, but hey, you can find joy in Christ. It's not going to be found in your possessions. It's not going to be found in your circumstances. It's not going to be found in money. It's not going to be found in in a game that's played. It's not going to be found in the things that you own. It's not going to be found in all of those many things. It's going to be found in Jesus. And as you think about joy, this inward peace and the supply, 
I'll tell you right now is I'm I'm rejoicing this this evening that Kelly is is expecting again, and I rejoice in all that. Even in the midst of the last year and a half to two years, and even in the midst of some of those things that we did have to go through, there there was still a joy. I'm not talking about joy in those circumstances, but we were still able to joy in our Savior. And there are times in life whenever uh, the, 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 the circumstances are going to try to rob you of that, that joy. But if you don't place your joy in your circumstances, it can't rob you. If you don't try to find joy in money, it can't rob you. If you don't try to find joy in those possessions, it can't rob you. Find joy placed in Jesus Christ. And as you find that, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 6, 7, and 8, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season... If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice, notice this statement, with joy unspeakable, and full of glory. First Peter is written to a people who were, were facing extreme persecution. As they were facing this extreme persecution, they were still able to find joy and remain joyful. And they weren't trying to place their joy in other people's lives. They weren't trying to place their joy in, in circumstances and results and all that. They were just finding joy in Jesus. And if you're ever searching for joy and you think that results are going to produce that joy, I'm here to tell you that results do not produce joy. There have been times whenever I set a goal and that, jo- that goal might have been met, but hey, there was still something missing. Why? Because I did it with the wrong intention. But when you just live for the Lord and you say, you know what, I just want to serve the Lord, you'll find much more joy in that. You'll find much more joy in just saying, Lord, I just want to have the joy of the Lord because of how good you are, how gracious you are, how wonderful you are. What a wonderful Savior you are. And so it goes on, being a fruitful Christian, the fruitful Christian life, love, joy, notice this next one, peace. Now, this is one that truly does pass all understanding. Now, this is something that, that man cannot comprehend at times. Have you ever been talking to someone, and they are going through something that you have made the statement, man, I, I, would, I would never want to go through that. And you talk to that person, but you can just sense that there's a peace. And you say, I... I just don't know how they have that peace. Even as Christians sometimes, when Christians are going through circumstances and we know the Word of God and we know that God can provide peace, it's still hard to fathom that God can give peace in times of trial. It's still hard to understand that God can provide that peace. Philippians chapter number 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, what is the opposite of peace? Can anyone tell me? What's that? War? Along the same lines. If I were to say, hey, you have peace, or I would just say, you are not war, but no, not calm. No, no, it starts with a W. Worry. You think about peace. There's peace and there's worry. Oftentimes we will worry about things. You know what the word peace means? The word peace, is you, if you were to go and to study the word peace, it literally means this, to choke. To choke. And as you think about worry, as you think about worry in our faith and, and the ability to concentrate and make the right decision because you have just the peace of God, if we concern or consider our circumstances and our first instinct is just to worry, then guess what? We're choking out our faith. 
our worry oftentimes will choke out our faith and we don't have that peace. God says, hey, I want to give you the peace that passeth all understanding. But we're too consumed with worry. We're choking out that faith. We're choking out that peace. I want to encourage you as you read this right here. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit, peace? Go on with me, if you would, for just a moment. As you think about this, not only peace, but you have long-suffering. And we're not laboring greatly on these this evening. We're just kind of grazing through them. We're going to come back another night and deal heavily with this passage of Scripture. But the word long-suffering, the Bible says endurance that patiently waits. This is what that word means, endurance that patiently waits. It's been said that long-suffering is the grace of man who could have avenged himself but chooses not to. You think about one who, who could have gotten his way, who could have gotten what he wanted, but he desi- decided that, hey, I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to let everything work itself out because of the Lord and let Him do His will. As you think about this and you understand what long-suffering is, as you go on and you begin to understand that God has a plan for all things. You say, well, why would God allow this to happen? We don't always understand that, but we do know this. He did allow it. Long-suffering, trusting the Lord's purpose, allowing the Lord to work through everything, getting even isn't really the priority in our lives, but rather understanding that God desires that we would become more Christ-like. Long-suffering, gentleness, gentleness being described as being generous and kind. Being gentle is not necessarily someone's uh, natural tendency, if you would. I've shared the stories about in college whenever uh, my, my group of friends would make fun of me when I first became an RA because I walked in and I was a little harsh probably than I should have been. And they, were, they basically said, well, you know what that group of guys just interpreted? That you didn't like them. I said, there's no way. I walked in. I said, listen, you guys are 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'm not your mom. You know what to do. I don't have time to, to, to fool around with your problems. I don't have time to, to, to you know, watch you guys get in trouble. You guys know what's right and what's wrong, so just do what's right and what's wrong. Or do what's right and not do what's right and wrong, but just do what's right. And uh, they were like, man, them, them guys probably were saying, man, he, he hates us. And I was a little rough. I was probably a little rugged. And, and, uh, and so the Lord used that to prepare me and to help me to be more gentle. And some things that I have written down that have stuck with me whenever it comes to being a gentle person and understanding is that I try to be sensitive to others when I don't always know what's going on with them. Our first instinct sometimes whenever someone bites our head off is to bite their head off, ain't it? How dare you? I can't believe you just said that. Well, hold up now. You, look, let's, let's, let's ask this question again that we've been harping on the last couple of weeks. What would Jesus do? Let's think before we just act and, and say something that we're later on going to re- regret. Let's, let's be sensitive and understand, hey, something might be going on with them. And it always comes out. It really does. When someone is going through a difficult season and they're, they're a little bit edgy, it will come out and they'll, they'll let people know and you'll be able to understand why that's been taking place. Not only to be sensitive, but to be sympathetic and allow the Lord to, to help me to feel the pain that others are experiencing. Whenever you think about some of the things that our church family, there are individuals, there are situations that have arrived, uh, arose over the last five years, and people have gone through things, and what a wonderful testimony of a church getting behind each other. I think about Brother Harold and Miss Lois whenever their house burnt down, and I, I still vividly have it in my mind whenever we had an altar full of, of ladies with Miss Lois and men with Brother Harold at the altar just praying together as a church family understanding, hey, they're going through something. Help us to, to feel this pain. 
I know for Kelly and I, whenever everything was going on, we had a church family that was behind us and weeping with us and, and crying and letting us know that they were praying for us. We, we understood that, hey, you knew and you were sensitive, but also that you understood and you were sympathetic to what was taking place. But then also this, and this is one that's serious. Be straightforward and don't shy away from speaking truth and love. And there's a difference in saying, hey, they need to hear it, and saying, hey, this would really help them. They truly need to hear it. You can still speak truth and love. You don't have to say it in a hateful way. If, I, if Jared here is living in sin, I don't have to walk up to him and say, man, you're, you're just a bum. You just, man, you're useless. I don't have to say that. You know, I walk up to him, hey, God has a greater plan for you. You know that's not what God has for you, man. Why are you living in sin when God has a greater purpose for your life and God could use you in this? There's a difference. And guess what? If I walk up to him and say, man, you're a bum, he's probably going to say, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Rather than walking up to him and putting my arm around him and saying, hey, God's word says this, and you know what's right. Speaking truth. Be straightforward, but speak truth in love. When you think about gentleness, there is a way in which you handle things. Goodness. Goodness, the word goodness, speaking of upright, speaking of being virtually virtue equipped and ready. Uh, a natural tendency and a natural desire of a spirit-filled Christian is to want to do good unto all. Naturally, you just want to be a blessing. You want to be an encouragement. You want to do good things unto them because you're spirit-filled. A spirit-filled Christian has obtained the, the spirit of goodness and desiring just to, 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 to aid or to help or to, to be there for someone at all times and just be a good person to that individual. Goodness. But it goes on. Faith. In many cases today, we, we find ourselves as Christians uh, of little faith and, and even sometimes being unfaithful to the Lord and what He has for us. I can't remember who it was that I was talking to, but I just recently had a moment in my own life of a, oh, ye of little faith. And I believe we've all had those moments where, where something arises, something happens, and immediately your first instinct is just to, 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 to give up, to just say, man, how could this happen and not have faith that God's going to work it out? But may the temptation when it arises be that we say, hey, I've got to just continue to trust the Lord. He's never failed me yet. I don't believe He's going to fail me now. Faith. But then also, notice with me, verse number 23, meekness. Meekness. Go with me for just a moment, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. And as you come to Matthew chapter number 5, and as you're evaluating your own Christian life, you're asking this question, am I a fruitful Christian? You know, maybe you're besides some of these that we're mentioning, maybe it would do us some good to, to write down whether we need to work on these or not and be honest. Maybe you want to use a 1 to, to 10 chart and say 10 being, hey, I believe I possess this fruit, and a 1 being, hey, nowhere to be found, uh, and just be honest with yourself and just say, Lord, reveal to me some of these things that I need to work on within my own life. But faith, as we dealt with faith, and now meekness. Meekness, verse number 5 of Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, meekness has oftentimes in our world, um, in, in a way, been described of, of someone who is, who is, is shy, who, who is not someone who's going to talk. But the opposite of meekness is what our world is trying to, to uh, you know, kind of 
push along, which is this act of selfishness, this self-promotion, if you would, this look at me, this self-gratification of, of, hey, look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished. But in the end of the life and at the end of our day as a child of God, we know it's not about us, it's all about Him. So the world is pushing, hey, no, 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 it's not what God did in your life. No, look what you did. You had to put forth the effort. You had to do all these things. No, it was God through me that did this. It was God that did the work. And you think about this. Meekness is actually the opposite of this. Meekness has been described as a submissive and a teachable spirit towards the Lord. It's always something that is directed towards God and then followed through and directed towards man. Meekness is not something that oftentimes you will find in someone who is a prideful person. It's the opposite of that. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 25 says, In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Titus 3.2 says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness, Unto all men. James 3.13 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Some have even described meekness as strength under control. As you think about that, it could be, I don't know necessarily how I would describe meekness as, as I study more and more, as I begin to get more familiar with what the Scripture begins to teach on this subject. Obviously, we begin to understand what it's dealing with. But you describe it however you choose to concerning the Scripture and some of the things that we've looked at. The final one being temperance. Temperance being self-control, discretion, discipline. As you go to 1 Corinthians for just a moment and you look here, Paul is dealing with this and Paul deals with it in such a way that we could understand. And in verses 24, 25, 26, and 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, Paul says this, Know ye not they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring but I keep under my body and bring into into it subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. As you study this word temperance here, speaking of self-control, discipline, discretion, as you think about this and what he's dealing with here, there is a disciplined spiritual life, making sure that you're giving proper time to the Word of God and proper time to prayer. There is a, a, there's a discipline to the physical life, not letting anything that should not enter the body enter the body. There is a discipline when it comes to your speech, not saying anything that should not come out of the mouth of a child of God. There is also a discipline to the mind, not letting anything cross through your mind and take effect and hold and you think on it for a lengthy time and it corrupt your mind. There is discretion. There is times whenever you say, hey, I ought not be thinking about these things and not be saying these things, not be taking part in eating these things or drinking these things or doing this. It harms my body. And so tonight as you think about this, I want to conclude this, this message. As you think about for just a few moments, a fruitful Christian life, and you're saying, okay, now let me be honest with myself. Do I, do I inherit, do I possess these fruits of the Spirit that we're dealing with? The fruit of the Spirit that we're dealing with here in Galatians chapter number 5, do I possess these? Am I living a fruitful Christian life? Do people see love in me? 
Do people see temperance in me? Do people see faith, meekness, as you go on down the list, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness? Is that something that I possess and that people see? Am I living a fruitful Christian life? And the temptation might be that you maybe are, or maybe that you're saying you are even though you're not, or whatever the case might be. And maybe sometimes the, the temptation might be to become angry at God because you think that you are a better Christian than someone else, or whatever the case might be, and you're, you're beginning to make excuses, or whatever it might be that's taking hold of your life, and you're asking that question, well, why isn't God using me? Well, let's be honest with ourselves first and foremost. Are you a fruitful Christian? You see, God can only use those who He possesses. God can only use those who He has preeminence in their life. If you're still taking hold of your life and you're wondering, hey, I'm not being used, well, let's read a couple of verses for just a moment. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, we're going to finish for just a few moments dealing with this. And in verse 19, the Bible says this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. This evening, as you think about a couple of things, I'm going to set these out for just a moment. I'm going to need some folks to to help me this evening, as you think about this vessel that we're dealing with, and a vessel would be something that is being used for its purpose, something that is fulfilling a purpose, and you think about this, this would be considered a vessel here. And as you think about this, let me get one of you boys, whichever one of you boys, to come stand right here for me. You going to come? Okay, you come stand right here. Let me get one other boy uh, or a lady, whoever wants to, jump, first one to jump up, I'll get three of you. All right, you go over there for me. You want to, All right, you come on up here too. And as you think about this vessel, this vessel I'm just going to pour here into this cup for just a moment. I'm going to have here in just a moment, you just drink some of this. And this is being used as a cup. This is what its purpose is. This is what it's intended for you to be able to drink out of this. I want you just to drink out of that. You just go ahead. As you think about these vessels, look, this is clean. This is, clean. This is taken from the back there. Not the toilet. I need you to drink that. It's, 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 it's for its purpose. I promise. Look, look at that. This is just an old cup. It's just a little bit of yellow on the cup, not the water. I promise. But it's, it's being used for its purpose. It has a purpose. It's fulfilling that purpose. That's it. As you think about that, as you think about that purpose... Tastes good, don't it? Some good water. But this is the vessel. And you think about this. I just want you to drink that. What's wrong with it? Drink it. It's fulfilling the purpose. There's what? What's wrong with that? It's a cup. You need some water. Go ahead and drink it. There's dirt in it. This is a perfectly fine cup. You need some water. There it is. You don't want any of that. I guess if I have to. Let me ask this question. Why do we live such sinful lives? A vessel 
that we think God should use. And our vessel looks like this. <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's a vessel. It had an intention. It had something. He was looking for some water. He had some water. What's that? Yes, you can be seated. You guys can be seated. You can keep the water. Let me ask this question. We ask ourselves, Lord, am I, am I living the fruitful Christian life? God, why won't you use me? Well, if our lives look anything like that, you say, oh, no one can tell. God sees all things. If our lives look like this right here, we say, why won't God use me? Well, what kind of vessel are you? Are you a vessel that God can use? Are you a vessel that, that, that is clean, that, that is right with God, that God desires to use because, hey, that, that's a clean vessel that I can use? Are you a, a vessel that's so filthy, sin is built up in your life? Hey, you've hid it from your family, you've hid it from your friends, there's bitterness in your heart, there's, there's anger in your heart, but hey, they can't see that, I can put on a facade. There's hidden sins, there's things that you're hiding from your friends and your family and your church family. But God is saying, oh, I see it. God, why won't you use me? You're a vessel that's not clean. You're a vessel that I can't use. Go with me to uh, to Galatians chapter number 5. You see, many times we look at Galatians chapter number 5 and, oh, we get excited about verses 22, 23, 24, and 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of lust. And hey, the preacher gets an amen because he preached that right there. Meanwhile, verses 19, 20, 21 is sometimes where we find ourselves actually living. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. You go through and you begin to evaluate your life and you say, oh, I've got a little bit of anger in there. I've got a little bit of bitterness in there. I've got a little bit of unforgiveness in there. I've got a little bit of disobedience in there. And you go down the list and begin to list the sins in your own life that you're struggling with. And then you ask God to use you. God says, I can't use an unclean vessel. Not only can I not use an unclean vessel, I will not use an unclean vessel. I says, oh, I want to use you. But I don't want to use you if your life is filled with all this junk right here. Oh, it's hard to use you whenever you're living the Christian life as a fake and a phony. If you want to be a true Christian, live a spirit-filled life. Get rid of these things. These things don't age you. These things don't profit a few. If I were to leave this just like this tonight and I were to walk in here tomorrow... I guarantee you we'd find that this water begins to turn brown. It gets nasty. And if I were to say, hey, Jaden, I want to offer you some of this, and I were to take this, and I were to begin to to fill this up right here, he'd look at me like I was crazy. And oftentimes we offer our vessel up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready. He says, oh, that's not how it works. Can I encourage you tonight? You say, I want to be a fruitful Christian. Do thorough evaluation with yourself. Lord, you worked in my life through this passage and through this understanding that God wants to use a clean vessel. One that He can use. And I've come to realize God will not and cannot use someone who's unclean.
Can I encourage you to be honest with yourself? Don't Hey, listen, there's no shame in getting right with God. And someone who says, oh, I can't believe that you were involved in all that, or I can't believe that you were doing that, or I can't believe that you were, were bitter or angry or had this sin in your life, and you got it right with God, you're not the one that's wrong, they are. Get right with God and let God use your life. Allow the Lord to make you a clean vessel if you're an unclean vessel right this very moment. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we all desire to live the fruitful Christian life. But it's not just something that happens. It takes work, effort, challenges, struggles, days of difficulty, trials. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be honest with ourselves this evening. Lord, there are enough phony Christians out there. Lord, help us to be authentic, genuine. Help us to be real. Lord, I pray that you would deal with our church. And Lord, help us to be a lighthouse. Lord, help us to be a a church that stands out, not because of who we are, but because we've allowed you to have preeminence in our lives. I pray that you take this invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church. Lord, to get on our knees and plead and beg of you to use us. To do things that we've never experienced before, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, because of who you are. Help us to be all consumed with you. Well, thank you for it. Help us to be clean vessels this evening. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.